Action. Hello and welcome to another episode of Your Average Critics, joined as usual by Chris and Obi. How are you both? I'm sweet, how are you? Good, thank you. Yeah, all good, thank you. I think it's been a few weeks since all three of us have, have been on, but uh, mm. good to be good to be back. I think it's also been a couple of weeks since we last did one. I think time's just sort of merging into one with me, so I don't really know what day it is or month or anything like that. But uh, we are here predominantly to talk about the last two episodes of What If and the final entry in the Daniel Craig James Bond franchise, No Time to Die. Um, but before that, are there any pieces of film or TV news that you guys want to talk about? Um, you usually got a few tidbits. Yeah, um, I was going to say, <clears throat> I don't know if you guys have seen, but obviously um, I think HBO did like a little promo thing um, where they released a few trailers for a few upcoming like TV shows and stuff. Um, so I don't know if you guys want to talk about the House of Dragon trailer. Yeah. So um, this is the it's set a few hundred years before Game of Thrones, isn't it? Yeah. And we didn't get much, but it's following Targaryens and Matt Smith, who was Doctor Who, is in it. Yeah, yeah. It looks. Yeah, it looks like. Do you know what? it's annoying because I feel like I've said on uh, multiple occasions that I don't care about dragons. Um, <laughs> And it looks like, like I think one of the lines that they say is like, was it the throne wasn't won by with, uh, oh, I can't remember what he said. But he said the throne wasn't won with something, it was won with dragons. So I feel like dragons are going to be a really, really big thing <laughs> in this series, which annoys me because I really don't give a shit about dragons. Um, but one, the main thing that I was thinking about with this series, and I thought the trailer was fine, like it was didn't give much away, but I'm interested to watch it. But the main thing that I was thinking was. If this uh, show doesn't do well, then I feel like they're just going to scrap all the other plans they had for Game of Thrones sequels and cycles and prequels and whatnot. Yeah, because it's one of those like aesthetics that doesn't change that much because it's all still going to be medieval and stuff. Mm. So if if people sort of lose interest in that, then they're going to struggle to maintain people's interest. Mm. Um, I mean, I like clips that they showed because it reminded me of you know it's been a few years since game of friends ended and uh, it reminded me of the good combat you know sort of visceral kind of gladiatorial kind of um combat so mm. I'm, I'm intrigued about that um i do worry because whilst i think there is some source material the fact that they don't have quite the volume that they did for the first few series of game of thrones you know, it's Game of Thrones sort of went downhill a bit when they stopped being very true to the book. Yeah, that's my main worry, to be fair, about this show. But I will, I will definitely watch it. Um, I just want George R. R. Martin to finish the book series. I don't think he's. Ever, I don't think he's ever going to finish them. It's actually been ten years since yeah. the last one. I'll pull your fucking finger out, mate. Mm. There have been eight series of, of the show between that time. Literally. What else was uh, on the HBO? Um... Um, so the other thing that I took notice of was the piece, the clip for Peacemaker, the Peacemaker spin-off show that DC are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was literally just... Um, so I think it's set um, to be with like the group of co-workers that we saw under Amanda Waller in the Suicide Squad show, and they've I think their punishment for like 
bashing Amanda Waller over the head or whatever, is that they have that um, they have to help Peacemaker complete his missions or whatever. So the clip is just them kind of like making fun of him and saying like, because obviously he's wearing his suit um, in public in daylight, and they're like, "What's wrong with this guy? This guy's a weirdo kind of thing." And then he comes in and obviously he plays his role super serious, and they're just kind of like taking the piss out of him. Um, that's like it's like a minute long clip. Um, so I feel like this is it's based on that clip. I feel like this is definitely going to lean on the comedy side, um, and maybe the the action stuff will be secondary. I'm not, too, not entirely sure how I feel about that, but I feel like it's probably, that's probably James Gunn's um, wheelhouse. So I guess if they're letting him have free reign with this show, then that's probably what we're going to get. And that's probably a good thing, I suppose, compared to some of the superhero shows we get, which I suppose don't really lean into comedy and, you know, aren't, aren't great. You know? Yeah, I think the fact that he's overseeing it all is, is kind of a, a benefit to it. It's not like, you know, Star Wars, <laughs> where they're like, hmm, we'll just get lots of people to do their own thing. Mm. And, um, yeah, I mean, so so HBO Max is coming out in the UK as well, well, Europe, later this month, right? It's coming out in Europe, but apparently that doesn't include the UK. Um, and I think, because HBO has a deal, still has a deal with Sky, um, I think until 2024 or 2023 maybe, I think. Um, they won't let us because obviously a lot of the HBO Max stuff comes through Sky when it does get released here. Um, I think that means that we won't see the app here until like I don't even know when, till probably till twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four, which is a show. Oh, everyone, everyone, get their VPNs out then. I was literally about to say that, but I didn't want, <laughs> you know, didn't want to incriminate myself. You know what I mean? But um, I mean, so Chris, Obi, you interested in the Peacemaker TV show? Um, I will watch it because I watch everything. Um, and I like John Cena. I liked John Cena in the film. Um, and I think he's getting better as an actor. So I'm curious to see, um, see how it is. And I'm curious to see what a James Gunn TV show, produced TV show is going to be like as well. So yeah, I'll say I'm quite looking forward to it, personally. Chris? Um, I'm not that bothered by it, but I will watch it. Yeah. I I know we're all interested in hearing any more about the Peacemaker other than the film films we see him in, but I look forward to be being surprised by him in a TV series. Mm. I'd be curious to know as well if they tie if they try and tie it into like the wider DCEU as well. And I I, I kind of hope that they do, but who knows? Maybe this will be in its own like pocket. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, on the subject of spin-off character TV shows, apparently. Uh, Disney Plus are developing an Agatha Harkness show, which mm. I'm not really sure I want to see one where yeah. she's front and centre, to be honest. It's such yeah. a random character to do. Yeah. Who cares? I, <laughs> I feel like Disney or Marvel are so, they plan so far in advance that, I don't know, I feel like it's a bit reactionary to be like, oh, she was, you know, People liked her in the four or five episodes she was in. So we'll give her a series. Mm. Like, I don't mind if she pops up in other things, but I'm not sure she's going to be interesting enough to develop a whole series around. Unless, you know, unless it's like really witchy. And But even then, I'm, I'm not super bothered. I don't know if that character's strong enough to, to lead her own series. What is, the, like, what is the relevance of doing like a series about her? 
Well, we're going to have one, a prequel series about how she got the book. Or like a sequel series where she's now not got any powers. Like, either one, I don't really care. Yeah, I mm. think I agree. It's probably one of those things where they, they sort of have the idea, it's like capitalise on this character's popularity, but, mm. um, you know, it might not go anywhere. Um, I think they were also planning on doing a spin-off animated Black Panther um, kind of series before Chadwick Boseman passed away. But um, um, Sorry, really quickly, yeah. Um, and I don't want to, because I want to talk about something else really quickly before we move on to like talking about what if and stuff but just quickly because you said the thing about black panther um and you know this do you know the episode of what if that we got with uh what if killmonger saved tony stark do you think we could have had a more interesting episode if it had been kind of like the opposite to the thor episode where it's like what if um you know what if um killmonger had grown up with t'challa instead of being abandoned i feel like that might because like i feel like um in the episode that we got Killmonger still being evil <laughs> or being like a, a mastermind basically was was interesting but kind of like it was just more of the same because like even in the episode two Thanos suddenly became a good guy do you know what I mean he became yeah. a, a ravenger so like why couldn't I was just thinking like someone mes- mentioned, mentioned it on the video I was watching the other day I was thinking actually that probably would have been more interesting because maybe then T'Challa might have become a different totally different character growing up with Killmonger by his side kind of thing but, you know, sorry, I just thought you popped into my head. Yeah, I mean, I think there aren't really many characters in the What If series who are fundamentally different from what there were in the MCU. Like, mm. even the episode where T'Challa becomes Star-Lord, he's still inherently, like, really good and, and mm. saves people. Mm. And, I mean, again, we'll talk about it in more detail, but T'Challa, uh, sorry, Killmonger in... Um, the last episode is, is always inherently selfish and, and power hungry. Mm. Um, and even when Saint Thanos was a good guy in the second episode, he still is like, yeah, but I want to commit genocide, you know. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, so none of them, none of them radically change, which might have been more interesting. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, um, you said they don't radically change. As in pers- personality. Well, I don't know. I think Hank, Hank Pym definitely has a personality change. I think Hank Pym's an arsehole, though. And he has been an arsehole in, <laughs> in both the Ant-Man films. Yeah, but there's been an arsehole, and then there's literally ripping someone from the inside out. Yeah, fair enough. And then also Loki. Like, definitely... In, I think Loki's the same. I don't know. I think he changed somewhat, but I do get your point. I, yeah. like they, I had they, forgotten that the Hank Pym was even in any of the episodes. Well. They have definitely been quite generic with the way they've done things, which I think is to their detriment, really, because, like, like, seeing Vision still in love with Scarlet Witch, cool, but quickly, the way they, Sorry, I, sorry, Chris, can I tell you yeah. really quickly? Because um, cause I know we're going to talk about what if. I just literally want to oh, one, one more thing, and then we can talk about what if and get into it properly. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if either of you have watched it, uh, but um, Dave Chappelle... Um, brought out a new comedy special called The Closer and like he had this deal with Netflix um, and basically in this is like I think this is the last one of his Netflix deal but in pretty much every one of the ones he's released with Netflix he's made like a lot of jokes about like the LGBT community um, oh, it wasn't there yeah and stuff like that um, and I just want to know where you guys 
fall on on whether or not uh, a person can make jokes about about that community. This might be a controversial conversation, but I'm just I don't know. We can cut it out if we, if we have to. But <laughs> I'm just curious to know where you fall. So like, is it like should certain jokes be off limits or is like true equality being able to make jokes about everybody and anybody? <laughs> um, I'm curious to know where you guys fall. I think on your latter point, yes, I guess to an extent, true equality would be being able to make a joke about anyone or anything. But I think you would need to have true equality in society for that mm. to be okay. Mm. Um, I think personally, like if it's, I don't know the joke that he's made. But I think we're we're in a society where you know people are more aware of other people's identities and, and things like that. So th- there's a lot more of a sensitive society, um, mm. and I I think maybe like a mild joke, maybe based on like a stereotype, like might like quite innocent might be okay but it depends on the on the audience you know it, um i think personally you know i i see some comedy where um like a, a white man will make a joke about asian people or black people and i'm like oh can you say that mm. you know um and i think it's probably similar for like other identities that you don't uh identify as so mm. i don't know i sort of feel like in a way it can be quite cheap to kind of pick on um certain minority uh sections of society mm. um so yeah i i think in this day and age probably not mm. um yeah, that's harsh though isn't it because like it i don't know if the way society grows should be a detriment to a comedian's uh, storytelling, I guess. Mm. But then again, I'm like Glenn. I, I haven't watched this show, so I don't know what it is. But I feel like if you don't like someone's comedy, and this is, might be really naive for me to say, you don't have to watch them. Mm. You know? That's uh, true. Like, I'm sure Ricky Gervais has said several times. I mean... Uh, there's, there's very few comedians that hit the nail on the head with me. Like, I think like I I don't watch a lot of comedians because I think they they run short a lot of the time. So like, uh, so I won't watch their comedy shows. I like watching them on their. I like watching them on TV shows, for example. And obviously there, you've got to be a bit more strict with how you can actually perform your jokes. Mm. But like, I don't know. I guess. Uh, I really, I really liked Sean Locke when he was on Eight or Ten Cats Do Countdown kind of vibe, but he was quite controversial. But yet again, I'm not sure he done any too heavy jokes. Uh, but then I guess, like, like I said, like if you don't like it, don't watch it. Mm. But, True. But but for someone of um, Dave Chappelle's influence, if he's perpetuating uh, negative. Yeah, there's, there's, there's one thing making a negative joke once in a blue moon and uh, and then attacking people. So it's like if he consistently does it, like I know you said he done it once a show, 
Chris, I'll, inter- I'll interrupt you and say that, like, so I think he's released four Netflix specials, and I would say I've only watched three and a bit of them. I would say yeah. he consistently. I wouldn't. Thing is, like, obviously, Glenn said about the jokes being negative. The jokes aren't necessarily negative, but they're just still jokes. But he, I would say, he consistently references the LGBT community throughout all of the specials. Like, he'll sprinkle little jokes in here and there, kind of thing. Like, maybe probably a good few, a good three, four, five, six times per special, which is like an hour and a bit long. Um, so it's been a consistent thing. Okay. Well, then, then that, then that would maybe reiterate my point about if you, if you know he's going to say it, don't watch him. But then again, flip side, is it, it maybe I should, I, I mean, I don't know what I feel about it, but I'm just trying to like give a different perspective to what you've just said, Glenn. Cause... Yeah. 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 I think it's good to play both sides because like, I think you could say the thing like, um, yeah, if you don't like it, don't watch it. But then like, I think Glenn was about to, about to say like someone, like Dave Chappelle is probably one, probably top three biggest comedians in the world. Maybe even the biggest if you ask some, certain people. And I think someone with his influence, if you get certain audiences um, watching watching these shows, I mean, it could even be like children or young adults as well, because there's not any age restriction on Netflix. Um, and they get certain jokes, um, or maybe they might misunderstand certain jokes and take that as, oh, okay, this is okay for me to say to somebody who is transgender, gay, bisexual, whoever, whichever. Um, and then that could cause like a bit more of a... Um, What's the word? A bit more of a... Cause some people, I suppose, would say it, call it a di- maybe disrespect to that community. Um, mm. I, I, think, yeah. I think it depends wholly on the context. Because, so, mm. James Acaster, who is a white, by all accounts, this straight man, I believe, um, and he did a routine about uh, trans identity. And it was heavily ironic. Basically, he was like saying it he, I don't, if you know his voice he's very sarcastic and and he was basically like you know making uh, a point in the way that he delivered it and what he was saying that you know it was obvious that what he was saying he didn't believe in and he was taking a piss out of people that believed in that right so i can't i don't remember specific lines and i don't want to misquote him so but he does a routine about that and a lot of I've seen people on trans people on Twitter say that, you know, they liked the routine and it was sort of uh, kind of positive uh, mm. for them because it was basically if you were watching James Acaster and going, yes, I agree with what you're saying, then the joke's on you. Mm. And I think that type of comedy is it's hard to achieve, but that is OK, I think. Mm. Um, but I don't know what Dave Chappelle's jokes were if it was like if you're laughing or agreeing with it then you're the idiot then maybe that's okay um based on the small small bits of this latest one that i've watched um i would say that that's not the case okay all oh, right blimey <laughs> but it's the thing we're like so like i do watch it like contrary, contrary to chris i do watch a lot of comedians um because i like to laugh i've never really found dave Chappelle super funny personally and a lot of people would call me crazy for saying that i think he's a really good storyteller um and his stories like they always will come like the punchline will always come back in a way that you don't expect which i think is quite clever but he's never made me like ha ha laugh um and i think a lot of the purpose of his comedy is to get people to try and think about like what he's saying like beneath the joke and i think there's never really like a 
any malice towards the LGBT community. I think his main point is is like and I'm paraphrasing here, so this isn't like me saying this, it's just what I think he's trying to say. I think he's trying to say like that community at times can be too sensitive. Let me make jokes about you like I make jokes about everybody else. Mm. I think that I think I think that's what he's trying to say. Whether people whether I whether I agree with that or not, I I'm not sure because I think like we've been saying, like in certain cases, people can take a joke too far, um, and joke, and they can be disrespectful. And also, I'm not part of that community, so it's not for me to say whether or not someone should be offended by that joke. Just yeah. like if it was like Mexican community or Mexican or Latin community, the African American community, or whichever, like I wouldn't expect people to uh, a white person to come up to me and say, "Oh, you should be offended by that joke." And I'm like, "No, I find it really. I can be an hour. I find it really funny." So like. You know, I think, and it's it's also it's not like a it's not like a blanket thing, which is which probably yeah. makes it even even harder. Like it's very very in, like comedy is is the most um, subjective thing I would say like in the world probably probably that in music like um, so it's proper hard to even like have this discussion to a definitive point. If that makes any sense? Yeah, because it like you said, yeah. it's super personal, and there might be people from the LGBT plus community who find it funny there might be people there are people who and that's disgusting you shouldn't say that and and the same with people who talk about race or disability or anything like that but I've, I've i've found some of the uh quote from james acaster right so this is what so he uh, basically calls out people like ricky gervais for his transphobic material and he says uh edgy comedians no one tells them what they can and can't say they walk straight on stage top of their special sometimes do 10 solid minutes just slagging off transgender people just straight out the gate and if people on the internet get upset about it, the comedian's always like, bad luck, that's my job, I'm a stand-up comedian. What's the matter, guys? Too challenging for you? Oh, uh, yeah, because you know who's been long overdue for a challenge? The trans community. Oh, they've let their guard down for too long, if you ask me. So that, I think, is the right balance of yeah. making... So, so that joke is clearly about comedians or people who think it's okay to make jokes about the trans community when they're not yeah. trans themselves. Yeah. Um, so I think that to me, that's, that's quite funny. Is that yeah. is there a video of that? I think that's quite funny. Yeah, yeah. Can you send it to me, please? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it's 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 difficult because mm. there will be people who are like, oh, you should be able to say what you want, and mm. com- comedy is is you know comedy, and so you don't take it offensively. But mm. I think that's also incorrect because you could say something hurtful and mm. then go, oh, joking, but mm. it's only. You you might not have meant offence by it, but if someone takes it offensively, then you know who's in the wrong. You know. Yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, it's a it's a tough subject, but um, mm. I I did tune into one of Dave Chappelle's specials. Well, it was one of his older ones in this Netflix deal, and I did turn it off because I was like, nah, this is not. <laughs> it's, I just don't find it funny, and I don't. And I think I feel like maybe his earlier stuff um, is of a different. Um, like ilk to this one and it's different subject matter so maybe it's funnier because honestly in in like from what i've seen yeah so um i'll just go by like people i follow on twitter kind of thing so like i'll say like the black twitter community dave Chappelle is like the goat of comedy to, to many many people and i've never ever seen it he's never made me belly laugh once which is a shame because i really want i want to like it but i just don't i just don't see what people see in him but you know 
category. Um, but it's a, it's a good debate. So, you know, people tweet us at YC Podcast 17 if you've got strong thoughts either way. Um, and I will try and try and share that. James A. Foster. Um, mm. But yeah, Chris, you were talking about, uh, there's no nice way to segue anyway. <laughs> Chris, you're talking about uh, Vision falling in love with Wanda and um, you didn't seem too happy about that. What, what were your thoughts about, about that? that? It's just they're, they're very, like, as you we were saying, they're very generic storylines. Like, they're dead. they've just basically rehashed the things they've done previously. So I'm not even sure the storyline even, I'm not even sure the, the, the timeline works for that uh, what if show for Vision to even fall in love with Scarlet Witch yet. Um, Two shots in fire. Sorry, did you hear that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. It's all right. It's all right. Um, so, yeah, I just think they could have just done things a bit differently. I just think the Hogwarts series have all been too short and a bit generic and just not that entertaining, if I'm honest. But uh, maybe that's just me. No, I, 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 I tend to agree with you. Um, so the last uh, the penultimate episode that we saw um, was basically what if Ultron had won and he uh, so it's Natasha and Clint on a version of Earth and um, he's defeated the Avengers and there's a nuclear holocaust um, Ultron basically takes all of the Infinity Stones Thanos is like Oh, no, no, no. He takes the Mind Stone, doesn't he? And then Thanos appears and he just gets split in half. <laughs> and then Ultron gets all the Infinity Stones. Uh, yeah, that's they... I thought um, it was bare funny. I literally laughed out loud. Yeah, I was like, too. wow. <laughs> One Mind Stone could have killed Thanos like that. Um, so Vision was shit, <laughs> essentially. Um, yeah, and then he creates a drone army. Uh, and then he basically notices the Watcher, realises the multiverse. And, uh, basically just like goes around fighting the Watcher, fucking up different universes within the multiverse. Um, whilst in a reverse of Endgame, uh, whilst trying to get a virus copy of Arnim Zola into some of the drones to try and wipe out Ultron, uh, Clint sacrifices himself, um, so that Natasha can survive. Um, and then it's sort of, then right at the end, the Watcher goes to Stark, Doctor Strange, and is like, hey, I need your help, pal. Um, so before we talk about how the series concluded, what did you guys think of that episode specifically? Chris, you first? Wait, sorry, you're talking about the penultimate episode? Yeah, what if Ultron won? Oh, uh, all right, um, yeah, sure. Um, I thought, although funny and I guess an interesting point of view, I thought it was a bit ridiculous that within an instant Ultron slash Vision was able to defeat Thanos. Um, makes you makes you think Infinity War is really pointless and Vision's been like you said, pretty shit character throughout the whole of MCU. Um, <laughs> if that is the case, um. It also 
makes you think that again in Age of Ultron they really did Ultron a bit dirty if he is if he was this cunning and was able to really um take over the world. Um I find it quite fascinating that they went with the whole angle of using the Hydra guy. I thought that was kind of interesting, but then leads to another bit of a I just think I had a lot. I just think I had a lot of like continuity issues with this episode, and that was, it was just a bit of a bugbear on me. And then for for that reason, I just didn't enjoy the episode as much as I should have done. Um, I'm not sure Clint and um, and uh, Natasha, Natasha, yeah, are. I don't know. I don't want to say interesting enough characters, but considering that with loads of superheroes like with powers and stuff, they're Nah, nah, that's, nah, not even gonna say that part. I just, I just didn't, I just thought it was alright. It's probably one of the most cohesive ones. Uh, cohesive? Cohesive. Cohesive? I don't know. Probably the most, like, beginning to end one that leads on to something, so, um, I can't actually remember it, you know. I'm Did you not, were there not any, like, oh shit moments? Like, not kind of, you know, House of Cards level, but, you know, when, like, when Thanos comes and he literally instantly gets killed, I was like, oh, damn. And then yeah. when he notices the Watcher, yeah. and then the, you can see the Watchers, which... I yeah, mean, uh, but they're issues. They're continuity issues in my mind, because I'm like, if the Mind Stone's that powerful, what the fuck were they doing on Earth? Like, is it because... Oh, so you're telling me that the, 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 the geezer who came to Earth with five of them stones and was battling against four could have literally just... There must have been, so you're just telling me the Mind Stone's just by far better than all the others. And Vision was just standing there like an absolute fucking melon. <laughs> not using. And then, and then the fact that, okay, fair enough, Thanos achieved what he wanted to achieve. But if he then had the ability with these stones to hear the omnipotent, or whatever, uh, yeah. right word, omnipotent? Yeah, yeah. Can I, Watcher, actually, sorry, go on, go on. Why, why, why didn't he, he, Surely his mindset would have probably been if he if he had them on for long enough he would have heard the Watcher and he probably would and he probably would have t- wanted to take over the several universes and done the same thing again with all of them right I, I just think I I I just think that it was interesting I just think continuity wise I just don't think it can I quickly interrupt it, it, yeah go for it yeah sorry can I say whilst I agree with pretty much everything you just said Chris I think they tried to put like a little disclaimer in the last episode by saying that the, on every different universe the stones work slightly differently which is why they couldn't use that stone destroyer on the stones that Ultron had because it was from a different multi-universe yeah, so that yeah, might yeah. be why the, the, the minor stone is slightly more powerful than all the other stones blah 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 I'm saying that I agree with you but I'm saying they could use that if they wanted to do if they wanted to they could use that to explain that way I suppose I think, I think yeah. also doesn't Ultron say something about Thanos's um kind of end game was not it was quite like limited you know he's like you should think bigger and conquer the universe rather the multiverse sorry rather than just the universe so i think it was sort of like you know he, his ambition wasn't high enough you know Thanos was happy to just chill on his planet after wiping out half the universe whereas mm. ultron was like i need more um mm. but yeah i mean when he's when he noticed the watcher i was like oh this is gonna get interesting yeah that was and, jokes um, yeah, and then the him and the Watcher fight and was kind of cool. I really don't like the 
design look of the watcher. No, me neither. His head is massive. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like, what was that? That Megamind, you know? Do you remember that? Yeah. That's, that's, his, that's, his, that's his design in the comics, I think. And also in the film, where in one of the end credit scenes, I think it is, Stan Lee's standing with him. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, I do remember. That was Guardians 2, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, like, about the Watcher, because you brought it up then, um, that although I really like the voice acting uh, from Jeffrey, Jeffrey Wright, yeah. um, I think some of the lines that he's been given is actually are quite bad, and they're kind of like jarmy a little bit, <laughs> and like some of them are just like, they're really cheesy, and just kind of takes me out of the, the thing. I think he had one really good line in episode 8, where I think he said like, like you have no idea of my will, or something like that, before he started fighting Ultra, and I was like, yeah, go on, fight. And then he got fucked up. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, like, so he does know about your will. It's not very strong. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think a few of his lines, as as he began to get more lines, as the episodes went on, I feel like they could have written him a bit better. I feel like, I don't know. But it's my piece. Yeah. I, I don't think the writing's been super strong in the series. As well. No. no. Um, I think as well, like, if we can talk about a bit about episode nine as well, I think the uh, the dialogue between the Guardians of the Multiverse was a bit lacklustre as well. I think I don't think the chemistry was there. No, and I think that 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 shows the fact that the animation and, and presumably these lines were recorded at all different times, mm. so that it's tough to bounce off each other. Like when Captain Carter and Natasha are like bevies, you're like, mm. Mm. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so episode nine, what if the Watcher broke his oath? Uh, so he basically. Uh, goes to every kind of episodic universe we've seen uh, to recruit the kind of strongest from that universe. So we've got Strange Supreme, uh, mm. Captain Carter, T'Challa mm. Star-Lord, Party Thor, uh, Black Panther Killmonger, um, and also Gamora. <laughs> oh, my days. Can I say as well, I can't believe you didn't get Peter Parker. Yeah, I know. With the Doctor Strange coat, uh, cloak on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did they well, not he, get anyone from that universe? He got, got Wanda. Zombie Wanda. Mm. Um, no, but yeah. That annoyed me quite a bit. Um, that was a bit got, Gamora from an episode that we haven't seen yet. That's so <laughs> stupid. Just <laughs> stupid, though. I know. We, know. we know how that episode ends. Um, so they basically join together to battle Ultron. Um, and yeah, they basically work together. Um, uh, it's sort of like Doctor Strange does quite a lot of it. Um, yeah, Doctor Strange is the absolute MVP of the episode. They would have got fucked up if they didn't have his little rune spell. Um, but yeah, so T'Challa steals the soul, soul stone, uh, Zombie Horde comes, uh, including Wanda, uh, Ultron defeats her, um, and then they, they try and use the Infinity Gauntlet Crusher, but like Obi said, because they're from a different universe, it doesn't work. Um, but then they eventually get the virus into Ultron. Um, then Ultron but Killmonger steals the Infinity Stones uh, and then they get sealed Killmonger and uh, Ultron slash Iron Zola in a little pocket dimension which evil Doctor Strange agrees to watch over uh, and then they all get put back into their respective universes um, but because Natasha was from a, she was basically on her own in that universe mm. uh he puts her in a universe where Natasha has died. Um, and yeah, so I guess it makes sense. It sort of was like, you know, all those 
kind of frustrating cliffhanger endings yeah. we saw uh, does kind of resolve them. But what annoyed me was so the one where like um, what's, I know his name's not Chris Pratt, but what's Star Lord's real Pete name? Pete Quill. Pete Quill, that's it. Uh, when he's being like kind of taken over by ego, and then T'Challa just saves him. I was like, oh, well, okay, so you resolved that so quickly. <laughs> What's the point of having that as a cliffhanger? Um, and the whole fact that Gamora, we didn't see that episode, yet she was a, well, actually a very minor part of this episode. Um, I don't know, it's a shame that they didn't get a chance to finish that episode because of COVID, and, and therefore we'll see that randomly as episode one, probably, of season two. Uh, and then we'll be like, oh, yeah, okay, so that's what happened. Um I think she got a short shrift anyway in this episode. Um, yeah, she barely had any lines. Yeah. I thought this, this episode was fine. Um, not as good as kind of some, some of the others. I really liked episode eight. I think the whole concept of Ultron winning and having the Infinity Stones is, is pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, w- what about you two? And, and, you know, Chris, I think you, you don't seem to be super hot on, on the series as a whole. So... How did it? How was now? It's all over. What are your reflections on it? Um. Yeah, I I'll be honest. I haven't really seen a story that I really give a shit about. Um, and I think that's probably the the big probably part where I'm like, okay, because I, I when I saw the trailer to begin with, I was kind of intrigued to see the Killmonger Iron Man one. I think that one's. I think that one was decent but fell a bit short for me um but yeah i don't think yeah i haven't really heard a story that i i care to know about mm. an alternative story uh and then like the last episode yeah it's, it, it's good that they i think it's good they combine them all uh if you i mean i suppose if we watch it back the later episodes kind of i suppose indicate that all the cliffhangers maybe indicate that there was going to be something at the very end or, or at least that episode two for each of them, which would have been probably not a great resolution to them. Um, but yeah, I thought like the Watcher going to Doctor Strange, I thought was cool. Um, I would have liked to know who he takes the oath with um, to not intervene. Um, yeah, and I also would like to know: did they really need anyone but Doctor Strange? he literally swallowed the mega blast of the infinity stones uh like it was nothing and if it wasn't for dr strange they'd all have been obliterated uh into probably dust i assume uh my other question would be for all the universes that ultron scoured why didn't he pick up more infinity stones um to become even more powerful um but then i guess for the, the story arc, you don't want to make him too, too powerful because then next season, who what's going to be the big bad and this season, how are they going to beat the big bad? Um, I can't remember. Does Doctor Strange get an ending that he wants? He has to look after the Killmonger and what's his, call, what's his name in the little pocket dimension. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, he says, yeah, I've got nothing but time. Yeah, I mean, whether their stories would have resolved the way they were going to resolve, regardless of how how they helped in this battle, i.e. Peggy Carter finding 
um, the whatever machine it was with um, Steve Rogers in, etc. But um, yeah, I think the the nice roundabout endings feature the episodes, whether you like the way and it's I guess irrelevant at this point. But yeah, it was a it was a decent end, I guess. Uh, I just feel like. I feel like the characters, like, I mean, I get why they brought in the characters for the end episode, because they, they kind of wanted to combine them all. But most of these characters were pretty redundant in that yeah. fight. Um, and I still am not sure whether I like the fact that the Hydra agent guy who's in the computer was the key factor in them. was one of the key factors in them winning, essentially. Did he? Wait, if I remember correctly, did... Does he turn bad once he gets control of Ultron? No, he sort of like, you know, like, eh, you shouldn't be doing this. Um, but then he's he's trying to fight Killmonger, isn't he? Because Killmonger's and then like, oh, I want all of the stones. And he's like, mm, I think you shouldn't. Um, so where he gets that kind of change of heart from, I don't quite know. But um... yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm also not sure what made Killmonger so power hungry. To then want to take the stone. I suppose he just wanted to use the stones to change all their endings, didn't they? Mm. Um, gosh, had he known, eh, that the Watcher was going to help them all out in the end? Um, yeah. he, well, an... like, yeah. sorry, go on. Sorry, Chris. Yeah, no, that's it. No, go on. The thing with Killmonger is, like, I feel like they just telegraphed it so badly that he was going to fucking turn on the rest of them, for God's God sake. Like, to the point where there was absolutely zero tension in that, in that moment. Like, they beforehand they focus solely on his face and him think like him looking devious then they've switched to i think it's thor or someone else with thor i think it might be peggy carr saying oh do you trust do you trust him and then thor's like oh i trust everyone blah 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 and then i don't know they just made it so flipping blatant that he was gonna <laughs> try and get the fucking stones i was just like god's sake it's not like we didn't all see this coming um mm. but yeah i just thought that was a bit that was a bit silly. I suppose the reasoning behind it, him kind of saying, oh, yeah, like, the Watcher owes us this. So, like, wouldn't you guys, guys like to go back and fix X, Y, Z? I mean, like, I guess that was OK. Um, but, yeah, I didn't really love the whole thing about him and uh, him and Zola getting stuck in eternity in some eternal battle for, the, for like, forever. I think that's a bit stupid. Um, episode as a whole, I thought was pretty, pretty decent. Um, I think... The series as a whole, I think I'm with Chris and with you, to be fair, Glenn, I think it's been pretty lacklustre, which is a shame because I was actually really excited for it um, before the series started. I think the way, I think it's just the, the the way the episodes have been laid out and the way they've ended, I can think just kind of like fell flat for me too many times to the point where I couldn't get excited for any for any episodes <laughs> anymore. And like even like one a light-hearted one like the Thor episode was supposed to be I fucking hated <laughs> like just I think because I think this fucking this series had beat me into submission so I did not care anymore. Um, I, I still think the Doctor Strange episode is the best episode of the series by far. Um, and yeah, in general, I think like you saying Chris like or well, Anglin like these are the, Doctor Strange. This was Doctor Strange and Friends rather than the yeah. Guardians of the Multiverse. Like they literally did not need. I mean, I suppose. Uh, Natasha and um, and Captain Carter get their little couple of assists at the end to be fair to get Zola into the what's it called but yeah that aside I think Thor 
T'Challa, Killmonger, no worse with them, fucking useless. Um, yeah. And yeah, it, 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 like I said, like I said a minute ago, I think the dialogue between all of them was very much like not not giving what it should have been giving. Like I was a bit like, ah, oh, this is a bit lame. Um, and I don't know if it's because obviously, well, yeah, it probably is because of like the whole animation thing and it not being able to to pre to um like bounce off each other. But also, I think like if you go back to like uh, episode two with T'Challa and the Ravagers, I think their chemistry was off, was pretty sick in comparison to the Guardians of the Multiverse. Um, I don't know if the recording situation was different, maybe, and that's why. Um, but yeah, I think the episode was fine, um, and I suppose it kind of I'm I'm glad in a way that they've tied up the the cliffhangers and the all that 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 shit from the previous episode that had quite annoyed me to be fair um but also at the same time having watched all nine episodes of this series i can i can comfortably say that i do not care for a season two i will watch it but i i stopped being excited about this series about five weeks ago yeah um you both said it pretty you know succinctly um i think no one is surprised that there's a multiverse mm-hmm. like Killmonger meeting T'Challa didn't, yeah. that, didn't that kill you yeah I thought there'd be a bit, there, there could have been something explored there you know like guilt or like I don't know they could have uh, there's no point in talking about hypotheticals because they haven't done it but mm. yeah I think I like the fact they tied it all together still frustrates me that it was all cliffhangery mm. um, do we think there's a possibility the Watcher becomes part of the MCU. Will we see Jeffrey Wright? I know, Chris, you mentioned that at the end of Guardians 2, there are some of the Watchers. But, you know, considering we're leading up to Kang, multiverse, you know, he says at the end of the Watcher, I am the protector of the multiverse now. He's not just the Watcher, he's the protector. So if someone like Kang is threatening uh, the multiverse, do you think that he might actually manifest? I don't know, you know. I actually don't know. I think. Would you want to see it? Do I want to see it? I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm really not sure because I feel like I feel like he would just kind of get in the way. <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like because like I feel like Doctor Strange could protect the multiverse kind of thing. I feel like that would be his kind of like job as like being like the one who deals with like time and being one of the most powerful Avengers. Um... And yeah, I don't know if really, I don't feel really, I don't really feel like we need him. If he was in it, I like Jeffrey Wright, so if he was in it, I'd be like, yeah, cool. But yeah, I think he can stay in the in the animated stuff. Doctor Strange can't protect the multiverse when he fucked it up. In- well, it's <laughs> a great point. That's a great. Yeah. What Wong Wong can protect them? <laughs> yeah, we need to, really more Wong, mate. He needs to, he's the voice of reason. Um, he's off battling, isn't it? He's off battling uh, in the the dive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fucking doing bare knuckle fighting. Like, I want him versus Fury, mate. That's what I want. Wong versus Fury. <laughs> PPV. <laughs> uh, yeah, Chris, would you be bothered about the Watcher coming, like, coming in properly into the MCU? I mean, it all depends, really. Like, it depends on. Like okay, like I said, like who who's who did he do this oath with? If he's done it with the Sentinels, then I guess maybe his influence will be needed later on because obviously they're 
I'm guessing going to be talked about a lot more considering the Eternals and all that stuff. But do we need to see them? No. I mean, we've seen them already, but I think that was to just emphasise the point that um, that there are creatures out there watching, but it doesn't necessarily mean anything. Like the Watcher was a relic, like bar making the room where he got all the people together. He is a pretty yeah. relic. I would also pose the question, like Chris literally just said, I'm going to piggyback off of that. I would say, based on what we've seen of him in the animated shows, what can he do that we've not, that we don't think that anyone else that we've already seen in the in the actual film universe can do? Yeah, very true. I guess the Eternals, from what the trailer suggests, have a vaguely similar kind of moral dilemma mm. in that they've seen a lot of shit happen in this universe, granted, uh, and haven't interfered. Um, but, but now, because of the deviance, they're breaking their... Not breaking their you know, that's the kind of loophole that they're allowed to get uh, involved in stuff. So, mm. yeah, uh, it's a fair point. Um, yeah, season two... Because you, you're sort of now going to assume that it will maybe lead up to a similar thing. Like, each episode will, conclu- you know, in the last episode will have some big fight. I don't know. They, they mm. might just need to freshen it up a bit. Mm. Um, but we shall see. I'm sure it'll be a, a year or two before that happens. Um, yeah. To take or leave Captain Carter, to be honest, as well. Uh, but any more thoughts on what if? Nah, not for me. Um, actually, one question, more than anything. Why were they trapped in a, in a mini-verse? Why couldn't they just kill him? What were we talking about? Who? Um, Ultra. John Monger. Uh, um, don't know. I think it's, isn't it because Killmonger has all the stones, so he would be pretty so powerful. Okay, I'm, you know, I'm not going to get into it, because I just feel like the stones, have just, the stones have just become so OP now. I feel like the Loki series... Like if we're, if we're taking that the whole con the whole content of the MCU we've seen so far as gospel in this series or as like written facts, right? Then like the stones aren't as powerful as we originally thought because there's random people wherever the TVA is using them as paperweight. Well, I think that only happened in the TVA that the stones don't work. Not that we know where the TVA actually is, but yeah, true. But then then. Then the question then the question comes in, why haven't the TVA got involved? It's a great I mean, question. I mean, there's loads of angles you can go with with this. I could go, you could probably go on all day asking 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 questions, potentially answering questions. It's this is a redundant thing, but like it's just it's just a thought process from from me there. I just, I don't That's know. what happens when you you get into concepts like the TVA, like the quantum realm, like multiverse. I think I said it a while back. Is when you open multiverse. You're, you're sort of opening yourself up to criticism because mm. there will always be questions of, oh, why didn't they get involved here? Why is that not yeah. as something the TVA got involved in? Why can't we see this character in this universe team up with this person? And it yeah. just becomes like unruly. And it's to like, be fair, that's all. Yeah, like you say, Glenn, that's always a thing with with anything. Like, why didn't flipping Superman show up when the Suicide Squad were fighting? the fucking big pink blobby thing in Tuesday Squad like come on like it's like it's all like sometimes Captain Marvel at the end well (laughs) 
Well, yeah, exactly. Marvel's like beating up, you know, Thor, and, and she doesn't even get a, an invite yeah. to the Guardians of the Multiverse. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to be willing to. Do I feel like they need to. I feel like do you know what they did wrong? I feel like they needed to show, like, because the Watcher when he picked up all these characters, he didn't have. I guess because he's not really got facial expression too much, but uh, didn't seem as as much urgency as you would have thought. He seemed quite comfortable in that little zone he made them in the middle of wherever they were when when four opened the door and stuff. So I feel like they they showed a bit more urgency, like oh we've got to do this asap because everything's getting fucked up. Then you could be like oh he just randomly picked these people, and like it's just because they're the first people he could pick up. Not the fact that he thinks they're the strongest kind of vibe. Because if they, oh yeah, friend. Well, I, I don't necessarily think that he thinks that they are all the strongest. I think he just pick. He wanted to like pick the right mix. Because if you're going to pick all the strongest, you just pick up all the Captain Marvels from every universe and have like seventeen Captain Marvels. I mean, yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. I yeah, think Captain, each one is the best. One team. Captain Marvel and one Evil Doctor Strange, and that's all you need. Yeah. But, yeah, anyway, we, we've spent a lot of time talking about that. Too much time. Um, yeah. So uh, let's move on to a non-Marvel-related uh, franchise. I know. Uh, <laughs> shock. <laughs> uh, he's not even an official superhero, um, but his name is Bond, uh, James Bond. Um, Jeez. So, <laughs> I'm doing so, right now. <laughs> So, No Time to Die is the fifth and final entry of game, uh, Daniel Craig's iteration of the very famous spy, uh, James Bond, a.k.a. 007, uh, a.k.a. The Man with the License to Kill, a.k.a. Mm. blah, blah, blah. Um, so, I don't know if it's a pentology, a quintology, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> the five-film series. Started with Casino Royale, then we had A Quantum of Solace, uh, Skyfall, Spectre, and finally No Time to Die. Um, so this is directed by Kari Joji Fukunaga, who did True Detective, I believe. Um, yeah. And yeah, like I said, it's it's uh, Daniel Craig's last outing. He uh, starts this uh, on like holiday with Madeline Swan, who he fell in love with uh, in. Spectre, which Obi, you can touch on when you uh, tell us about Spectre. Um, but yeah, so they're kind of on holiday in Italy. Um, you know, he's out. He's out of MI6 or 5, whichever one it is. Which I feel like he's he's out in the beginning of every um, film. Again, maybe I'm just misremembering. But it seems like he's always out and then comes back in. Um, but yeah, he's on holiday with her. Uh, then there seems to be some like, goings on... Uh, Spectre's maybe still around, even though Blofeld's in prison. Madeline's being secretive. He uh, gets blown up near Vesperlin's grave. He's got some unresolved issues. He's her as, like, untrustworthy. Mm. And then he's essentially working to try and stop a DNA-born virus from wiping out certain... Uh, Ethnicities, I think they even say at some point, which was like, yeah. oh, wow, you're talking genocide, man. Um, when that doctor says it to uh, LaShawn Lynch's character, who's like, oh, I could take all of you out. I was like, oh my mm. god, that was dark. Um, but yeah, so uh, he is initially working with the CIA against, you know, sort of 
in, in kind of conflict with MI6. Um, so then it ends up working with Nomi, who's 007, um, whilst James Bond is not in MI6. And uh, yeah, he ends up fighting against Stefan, Stefan, sorry, Rami Malek's character. Um, so I'm not going to go into a lot much more detail than that at the moment. Um, Obi, as someone who's rewatched first four and then seen the fifth, give us an overview. I think last time we spoke, you'd seen up to Skyfall. So yeah, give us a refresher on Spectre, uh, your thoughts on it, and then uh, you know your thoughts on No Time to Die. And there will be uh, yeah. So what Spectre? What the fuck happens in Spectre? Spectre is a long film and not the most <laughs> interesting. But it's not as bad. I think it's not as bad as people make out. But yeah, Spectre, he basically um, goes chasing after uh, Mr. Mr. White, I think is his name. Um, Mr. White's got, I don't know if he's got cancer, if he's got nuclear radiation or something like that. I don't know. Someone said they put something in his drink or something. Um, and he's basically like, yeah, tell me the name. Or give me the give me a contact of like the people who can who did this kind of thing and I can I can help. And he's like, Okay, you need to go save my daughter. So then this guy shoots himself in the head. Um he goes and then finds the daughter, Madeline. Madeline? Yeah, Madeline Swan. Um and then she's all like adamant that oh I don't I'm trying to get away from my father's life and like bear like um bear animosity towards James Bond, yeah, fairly fair enough. Like, she sees him as just, like, a, another killer, another assassin. Um, and then he's like, oh, yeah, I have to protect you, blah, 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 because I need information about X, Y, Z. Um, and then they go, they get in an argument, they find a secret room, and then they get all, like, the, some clues to, that leads them to Spectre. Um, then they get on the train, and Dave Batista comes out of nowhere and starts fighting them. And then they both beat him up and eventually Dave Batista dies. I think he has one line in the film, he says shit, and then he falls off the train. <laughs> <laughs> and then suddenly them two fall in love and they just start fucking. And like, I'm not being funny, all of these films. Do you know what? Actually, apart from uh, No Time to Die, I'll exclude No Time to Die at this, but all these films, all James Bond does is fuck and kill people. Like, to the point where at point at times it's a little bit creepy. <laughs> like, he just, <laughs> I'm not sure if it's in, if it's in Spectre or if it's in Skyfall. Which one's the one where they go to, like, China? That's Spectre. I can't tell you, mate. I think, it's, I, think, I think it's Spectre. But anyway, he just fucking, like, creeps into this woman's room naked while she's in the shower and they just start banging. I'm like, you can't do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you need consent, man. You can't do this. Oh, my gosh. And it's just like, yeah. It's, it's a bit prob- I think it's a bit prob- problematic, personally. But, you know, we can move past it because he's, obviously he's falling in love now. Um, so yeah, the fact that these two fell in love is absolutely ridiculous to be honest with you. The fact that she fell in love with him after she was, do you know what? Cause, actually, no, let me tell you about Because women fall in love with James Bond routinely. Fair enough, yeah. I feel like the common theme is that James Bond particularly doesn't always love these women the way they love him. Maybe Vesper aside, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he just suddenly falls in love with her after probably a maximum of about three days. And suddenly they love each other. Then they find out that this guy Blofeld is behind Spectre. He was behind Quantum. Um, and Blofeld was James Bond's, like, basically his brother, which was fucking ridiculous because they just decided to put that in there and this film was really stupid. And then Blofeld hates James Bond, I think, because him and his dad bonded or whatever. And then they get him in this, uh, this facility. Then 
um, they blow up the facility and slices his eye all open and that. And then uh, they like chase him back to London or whatever. And there's another bomb goes off somewhere. And then James Bond gets ambushed. James and, and M get ambushed. And then they take James away. And then M manages to get away. M catches the new guy C in a lie because he was trying to get the whole. That's it. They were trying. He was trying to get the whole system approved so that they could basically have visuals on like everybody. And they called the Project Nine Eyes. And C was in cahoots with Blofeld. Then C falls off the building and dies. I thought that was hilarious because it was so just like avoidable. Um, and then James Bond cap- gets Blofeld escapes in a helicopter. James Bond chases the helicopter down, shoots it down. They crash. James Bond has opportunity to kill. Uh, Blowfield, but in a moment of probably growth, he says, you know what? Nah, I'm going to let you live. Mistake, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Massive mistake. Should have killed him. Should have shot him in the face. <laughs> then this whole, the whole next film doesn't happen. So yeah, progression. Cool, whatever. That film's kind of boring, but it's not, not terrible. Moving on to No Time to Die. Um, overall, I, I thought I loved it, to be fair. Um, oh, right. I, I thought it was great. Um, for a film that's two hours 40, I'd say it kept me thoroughly, thoroughly entertained, I would say. Um, and I would also say that, um, obviously, I know, Glenn, I think in your, in your quick review, uh, I think you said that the first two acts were slow or mm-hmm. boring or one of the two. Um, um, I, I kind of disagreed, actually. I actually thought that the, I thought the opening for this, for this film, even though we saw a lot of it in the trailers, I think the opening for this film was, was great. And I thought it was proper, proper good. Like the bit where, um, Yes, you agree with me. Yeah. <laughs> the bit where obviously we get the beginning bit with Rami Malek's character and he comes to the house to to like kill the mum, kills the mum. Like all that I thought it was a very like really like creepy, like kind of like a horror vibe, which I which I was kinda of digging quite a lot as well, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Um I don't quite know why he saved why he saved the girl, to be fair, because he was gonna he was trying to kill her. And then all of a sudden he wants to save her. Uh get a bit of pedophilish vibes from him, but you know, whatever. Um And yeah, and then obviously that that um what's it called? That's that story was kind of alluded to by Madeline in Spectre so I like how they kind of like brought that back um, and we get the whole con- the full context of that story and then obviously that leads into them in present day and they're obviously in love I don't know how long it's passed between Spectre and the end of Spectre and the start of No Time to Die but whatever isn't it? They're, in, they're in love and <laughs> and obviously there's this thing about them two both having secrets and them two letting go and I love how like they try to like in this film they try to like bookend quite a lot of little bits that they'd left out in like the previous four films so like him still maybe like harboring feelings about Vespa and obviously he goes to her grave or whatever or memorial or whatever and like says forgive me I don't know why because she betrayed you in the first place but whatever <laughs> you know don't take that on yourself James mate it's not your burden to bear or whatever <laughs> um, and then to be fair that bit when he says forgive me burns up the burns up the paper and then the bomb goes off I was like that fucking scared the shit out of me I'm not gonna lie because <laughs> The bomb, the the bombers were so fucking loud. I just didn't see it coming at all. And then that whole sequence of like the, the car chasing him, him like hiding behind that little stump bit, and the car goes over it. Then he jumps over the the um the little wall bit, and then takes the the motorbike and flies up with bare stairs, and then grabs. And then he, you know what? The way he <laughs> the way he jumped off the bike here yeah, and just started strutting, I was like, this is Samuel and Titty come to life. <laughs> <laughs> like if you have seen Samuel and Titi after when France win the World Cup, yeah, and, and they're um singing his name, it's literally it's James Bond reincarnated. Man, I'm telling you, um, <laughs> and then yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's literally the first thing I thought of uh, when I saw him strut like that. But yeah, 
And then obviously he kind of thinks, oh shit, like this is Vespa all over again, kind of thing. And then so obviously he doesn't believe a word that she's saying. Meanwhile, she's there. Obviously, they're in the car. Uh, they get he drags her into the car, and then the Cyclops guys are shooting down the car. At which point, if I was a Cyclops guy, I'm thinking, shoot, shoot the fucking tires. Then they can't go. Yeah. Dumbass. But anyway, um, I liked how he kind of like waited to like the last moment to see if like Madeline was kind of like trustworthy. Um, and then he was like, she's like James, like bear serious, and he was like, all right. And then he gets the guns and starts fucking fucking everybody up. And then they go to the train, and then obviously they say the goodbyes, and she, and then she's like, um, "How will I know if you're safe?" And he's like, "You won't. You'll never see me again." And then it just goes bare silent, and then the, the, the opening credit starts. I'm like, "Oh, this is sick!" Honestly, yeah, that that secret, that opening ten fifteen minutes of me was my favorite out of all like the the five films that I've, that I've seen. I loved it. And then yeah, film in general, I think is is pretty great. Um, it's uh, I think I like the fact that. Um, cause obviously you guys have told me that the previously the James Bond stories are quite like just stories of themselves and then they don't really relate to each other. So I like that these five, five have kind of like build it up all the way to this point and then, um, we get like a, a, a pretty, um, a pretty, what's it called? A pretty final conclusion to like this, this James Bond character, which I, I really enjoyed. I like that. Um, he had like obviously he moved on, and then they've got a new 007. I like that because life does move on, kind of thing. I like that they kind of like moved on, and it and it happens to be a woman, and she's really young, and she's sick, and like, um, I like that they had like a little bit of, I think they had like respect for each other, but there was a little bit of like um animosity, yeah, animosity between between the two of them. Um, I didn't love how petty she was over the number in uh. In the, in the beginning, when he says he's been reinstated in double O, she's like, oh, what number? And she asked him again, like, oh, what number? I'm like, relax in it, relax. But, yeah. um, yeah, and I like that, um, M, as usual, fucking up. Do you know what I mean? Like, the, yeah. these M's, Jude, Judy, and this one, mm-hmm. fucking up always, mate. He's a proper whole... villain in this. He, like, mate. he's the one behind the whole DNA, like, virus thing. I was like, what? Mate, someone needs to hold these guys to account. Mate, when Money Penny was like, oh, yeah, I should call the PM. Call the PM because these guys are moving crazy. Him and Judy Dench, they're doing nonsense. Get him in Parliament, mate. Question time. But anyway. Yeah, I, I don't know what PM they have in this universe, but I don't think it's the same one we have. Oh, the scratch for it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed all of that, and I enjoyed like, I like, I like his team. Like, obviously they've got like a little, obviously M, James Bond, uh, Money Penny, and Q. But I like and Tanner. I like their little like, their little group kind of thing. I think. Yeah, Good, isn't it? Yeah, and I liked how um, I was thought this one bit that I thought was really funny was when um, obviously he goes to meet Q at his flat and Q's off, for fuck's sake, kind of thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, obviously when they find out what everything is about, and then they go back to the office, and Q's like, oh, Bond, I haven't seen you for years. And then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, shut up, Q. I was crying, I was dying about that. Yeah. Well, it was so funny. I think the guy who plays Q is a, is a, is a very good actor, I think. Um, and yeah, I like how it all obviously links back to to Madeline, and she's got a kid. I didn't see the kid come in to be fair. Like obviously she's got a kid. James Bond, like James Bond's got a legacy. Like I don't know if, if you guys know, but has James Bond ever had a child before in the you know, things? I'm not Good sure. Question. I I think he does get married in one of the earlier films, but then the wife gets killed quite quickly. So um, little, I don't know if you're going to say this, but a little fun fact about that. Apparently in that film. Um, 
they say that the same line that they say this one was like, oh, we have all the time in the world. So, oh, okay. yeah, so somebody... Uh, big no-no, big no-no in films. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so someone else who I was watching review it, they said like, oh, once they said that line, I was like, okay, so one of these two is going to die. Um, right at the beginning of the film. Um, what else? Yeah, I thought the action scene... I thought, do you know what? I'm just, oh, mate, I'm completely skipping over the bit with um, Anna de Armas. And do you know what? Paloma. Bit, Paloma, yeah. Her bit was... I think her bit was sick, but she, I, I, I thought she needed more film, more more screen time. She only got that little fifteen minutes or whatever it was. I thought that she was proper good. I thought um, I was well entertained by their bit, um, and I love how like how casual James Bond is at times. Like he, he just like fell, falls down a flight of stairs onto a piano or whatever, and just gets up, shakes himself off, makes seven drinks, and they're out. Let's go again. I think that's I, I fucking love it. Um, and I think yeah, added Armus was great. Uh, Lashana Lynch as 007 or Nomi she was great as well um, and I liked how like confident they both were in like um, like fighting and stuff and I feel like they didn't really need James Bond to like come and save them or anything like that which is probably quite typical for um, in like previous films for like Bond girls or you know women in the James Bond series that kind of like need James to come and save them but these two are fairly independent on their own right even the fact that Madeline knows pretty pretty well how to use a gun as well and she was like killing people as well to protect her daughter I think was quite good too um and yeah sorry I'm rambling here so I'm just gonna uh, round up I really like the scene where he where oh when Felix dies even though like he's only been in like one film in it he's only been in Casino Royale right uh, was, he in, was he in Quantum on this one eh I might have been I think actually. he was in two yeah, yeah. it was, okay. it was uh, they were on the plane together and uh, he he said he didn't know who it was, and then someone went, "Oh no, that's James Bond." Hmm. I'm almost okay. certain I watched Quantum of Solace, and he said that at the beginning. Okay, okay, fair enough. Yeah, okay, cool. So he's in as well. I liked how like even though those two haven't had a massive amount of screen time together, you can tell that like the relationship is there, and like the bond is there. And I probably felt it when he when he died, and he was like, "Oh, it's been a good life, hasn't it?" And then James was like, "Yeah, it's been a great one," and then he has to let him go. And I'm like, "Oh, allow it, man." Um, and then yeah, that whole bit in Cuba and all that that was great. And then I like the bit in when they're in the forest, James Bond's chasing off, he's chasing after James Bond and he's just mowing people down. <laughs> and then he, he, um, he says to, uh, the American agent, he's like, I had a brother, his name was, um, his name was Felix Leiter and he just gets the car and mashes him up. I think, yeah, yeah, that was shame. Yeah. Good. Good for you. Fucking prick. <laughs> um, and yeah, and I thought, do you know what? As I'm, as I'm like recapping this, I do think, that the weakest part of this film is Rami Malek's character. Yeah. Um, because I don't really know what he wanted. Like, I know he wanted, like, to... to obviously, he had... He yeah. had but was he was... Go on, Chris, sorry. I was going to say, his main aim wasn't that solid, was it? Yeah, what, I mean, what, did, he, what did he want to do? I think he portrayed the villain very well. He was very sinister. Yeah. But, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like, acting, I think I thought it was really good, but I just don't know what, what did what did you want? Like, what did you want to? I know, he wanted to kill Spectre. I get that, and he and that made sense. He achieved that. Spectre killed his family, so he killed Spectre. But after that, what did you want? I don't know. I yeah. don't know what your, what your aim was. Um, I think I think I said that in my little review, didn't I? Like, I think his his character was pretty underdeveloped, and his motivations, like wanting to wipe out kind of whole swathes of people was, was not I didn't get it you know he was like huge like his his villainy was potentially huge but 
I didn't quite understand why he wanted to do it. I mean, at least Thanos, he's like, you know, kill half of them. You know, you have more food for the people that are left. Yeah. You can at least understand what he's coming from. Whereas Safin was like, well, Blofeld killed my family, so I'm going to kill his whole agency. Mm. Cool. But then why do you want to kill potentially everyone's family and things like that? Yeah, yeah I just didn't, didn't quite get it. Yeah. And like, I think that the idea of of Heracles and like it being connected to like you can like code it to like different gene DNA and stuff like that. I think that is sick to be fair. Um, and like the idea of that, but yeah, like like we were saying, like, I don't really know what he was using it for. Just round off my thoughts so you guys can get off your own. Um, so yeah, apologies, I'm still going. <laughs> um, uh, just saying, I- first, mate. I was just going to say that was in Chuck first. Just saying. <laughs> So oh, then stole it from Chuck. I can't believe it. Yeah, I know, mate. I can't believe it. Bastards. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, just to round off the uh, the final act, um, I really enjoyed um, like everyone, everybody working together, kind of thing. Like Bond getting reinstated, um, and like uh, him getting back 007 for obviously you know the final time and stuff. Um, and I enjoyed Lashana. Dub- I don't even know what double she is now, but the Shana Lynch character booting that scientist off the thing because he was pissing me off. Um, yeah. Honestly, it was annoying. And I thought, do you know what? Actually, just to go through one thing that actually really annoyed me, why did Rami, why did Safin let the little girl go? Yeah, that didn't make sense. That was no, the only le- that was leverage. I, I I reckon I reckon it was because because of the ending. That the ending, I think he always knew he was going to try and smash the blood over his face. So therefore, if he lets his daughter go, he's got his daughter nearby, smashes him in the face, then his daughter's going to die at his, okay. at his own hand, maybe. Okay. But yeah, I, it, it did vex me a little bit that he let her go. Okay. If, if, okay. That, okay, so I suppose, yeah, that in all, if you were thinking of it that, like that in a twisted kind of way, I suppose, okay, fine, that, that kind of makes sense. Um, but yeah, and I just think the whole ending of them having to, James Bond obviously letting everybody go and then getting about his business, going around fucking people up there was like that little really cool long shot on like the stairwell bit when he just was fucking battering people I thought was proper sick um and then obviously the fact that you know in the end he fucking dies I was like I I don't give a shit about James Bond yet but even I was emotional I was like oh man and then he says to Madeline that we've got all the time in the world I said but you don't sir Mm. (laughs) oh mate honestly I was I was proper upset I liked it though because I like unexpected endings like that. I, I fucking yeah. I, yeah I, thought I think it was, I, it was great. nice conclusive ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, not nice, but like it rounded it off well. Yeah, yeah, and then like I think the fact that um, he yeah like like we said like there's there is we actually physically see him like basically get blown up. Like there is no chance that this Daniel Craig character is coming back, and I think. The way that it was played off as well when he does die by, especially, specifically Q, I think, gave a very, like, like, I love, like, non-verbal acting. And, like, in Q's face, you could see, like, he just gave, like, swallow, swallows, like, um, his tongue a little bit. And is like, yeah, you can tell, like, oh, fuck, he's gone. And obviously Madeline's, like, crying, bawling. And M, even M's fucked up. Like, M doesn't give a shit about anybody. Even he's, <laughs> even he's, yeah. like, even he's upset. And obviously, yeah, we get the next scene where, um, they're all cheers into him and you get that little quote and then they clink the glass and it's like, okay, back to work. And then, 
the final scene where she's like, says the daughter, like, I want to tell you about a man. His name was Bond. James Bond. I said, yeah, I, I'm getting chills thinking about it right now. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I thought that bit was great, honestly. I fucking loved it. I really like the scene where he's down the tunnel and it looks like this, the opener as well. Well, that's quite iconic. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was sick. Um, yeah. Another thing which I later found out about, which, um, yeah, so... Obviously, like they name him Commander Bond, don't they? Because he's like, like he's uh, he's been in business for ages. But do you know Daniel Craig is is actually an honorary commander because of all the training he's done for this role? Mm. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, Navy. It's either Navy or Navy Seal. I'm not. I'm not sure which, but I'm pretty sure he's an honorary commander. So I was like, that's a pretty cool nod. Yeah. To put that in the film. Mm. But you really liked it as well, Chris. Yeah, I, when you when you when you mess when you messaged me and you said you didn't think there was much action in the first two scenes, I was like, have we just been? <laughs> I leave, I didn't want to like. I thought I'd leave it for the thing. I was like, have we been watching a different film? Like, I was so baffled. <laughs> I'm so baffled because I came out of that film and I thought, do you know what? Doesn't feel like three hours has gone by. It feels like it's answered a lot of questions. Having watched Casino Royale and part of Quantum of Solace before, I went to see this. There's lots of subtle nods to other films, mm. which you said Obi like it. It ties up a few loose ends. Mm. So I just, I just thought it was really good. I just, I, I mean, obviously, like you got to get on board with the fact that that James Bond is very a man who very easily falls in love. Um, yeah. Which is is strange for a man who also shags a lot of people, but um, you know, he, he's a big softie at heart, obviously. Um, mm. Yeah, and I think I think Malik's character to begin with was was very uh, sinister, and then later I think falters maybe a little bit in that department. Um, yeah, I think I, I really like the action. I really like. I just oh, do you know what? I just really like Daniel Craig as James Bond. Yeah. Like, I, I know I think a, f- a few people don't like him as James Bond. I feel like they they depict the not Roger Moore, but the. Um, uh, like the definitive one, but I honestly, I really, I really rate Daniel Craig's one. He is my like my idea of James Bond in a nutshell. Um, and I think um, the stunts, there was a lot of stunts. I thought there was a lot of action. Um, yeah, it doesn't quite make sense that he was so uh, so in love with Vespa. I don't, I don't really get it because because Vespa essentially kills herself as well. May I add, mm. like. She locks the, that pissed me off in Casino. Like I love Casino Royale as well, but that pissed me off. She just like fucking kicks the thing in and sl- stops him from saving her. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like you can literally go home alive if you just let him get you out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, do I think? Uh, I feel like a lot of like, and also like you've got to like take on board that like a lot of these films you've got. to, there's a lot of mystery, isn't there? Because I'll tell you what, if she just said, she just opened her fucking mouth, a lot of these problems would have been solved a lot earlier. Mm-hmm. Like, if she had just said something, like, okay, cool, she had the virus on her hand, and she, I don't know, she knew, she, I assume she knew she was giving it to James to give to, uh, what's his face? Like but like... God. Oh, I didn't think that. No, I think that was... Do you think that was an accident? I think it was unintentional, yeah. I don't but, think like, she realised what it was that she was... Well, like, I feel like I feel like she just could have just told someone, and then 
a lot of this could have been like they could have like done a sting operation or something. But I guess him knowing a lot about her, probably knowing she had a daughter, probably lends itself to that point. Um, oh yeah, I thought action scene. Uh, actually, the double bluff where he kills everyone but James Bond. I thought that oh, was yeah. cool. That was that oh, was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, mm. and like. The, it's, it happened. It happened in Spectre as well, didn't it? Um, like they're all just talking, and suddenly they turn the light on James Bond, and it's mm. like, oh my god, they know he's here. Like what mm. the fuck? Mm. Um, and yeah, that woman, I don't know what mate, uh, I don't know what the actress's name is, but she kicked ass, mate. Anna Darmus. Yeah, she kicked ass, and she looked she looked good kicking ass. Like good for her. <laughs> <laughs> but, and she she held her own. She 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 if she if not did better than uh, Daniel Craig himself. Someone who uh, claimed she uh, only had three weeks of training, uh, mm-hmm. she fucking smashed it. Mm. Um, oh, can I quickly say as well? Sorry, I really enjoyed the line um, when they're in Jamaica, and um, 007 is undercover, and she goes back to his house and takes off the wig, and he's like, "Oh, it's not the first thing I thought you would take off." Yeah, <laughs> I audibly laughed out loud at that line. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, that was cool. I feel like I wish, both, I wish in the trailer we didn't see her in the trailer. Because then there would have been a bit more suspense on what who she was. I mean, I think we would have all known, but like we knew she was going to be a double O, or we knew she was some kind of agent for the for the MI6, didn't we? Mm. Um. Well, I thought the way he killed that geezer in the forest was pretty cool. Well, okay. not cool, but like brutal. He, well he just, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the one thing I was debating, um. At the very end, right, so obviously he smashes the vial on his face and then that lends itself to he can't see, be with his family ever again because, yeah, whatever the virus does or DNA tracker, what, what do you mean to do? Mm. So are we to are we to believe that because he shook hands with, uh, at the beginning, and got the, the micro bots or nanobots inside himself, that if he had ever come into, is it is it just blood on blood contact? I think it's just skin on skin contact. Mm. No, no, yeah. no, no. But like to activate it, I don't know. Because like, if at any point, if it's just blood to skin contact, so like, if I drop my blood on him, he, I'm. <laughs> any time I ever go near him ever again, I'm fucked. Because if that's the case, then then he's going to be going to end up killing a lot of people anyway. But if it's if it has to be blood to blood contact, then I can understand it being a bit less lethal. Well, no, I think I think it has to be. Well, I think he just has to touch someone. But I think because the intended target. So are you talking about when he touches? Um... So, so I'm I'm saying like so. There's one thing having the nanobots inside you because once you've got them, you've got them forever. That's what yeah. they said, right? Yeah. Yeah. So obviously, the initial thing where James gives it to uh, what's his name again? Uh, Blow Blow felt when he gives it to him, it's 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 on purposely for Blofeld, isn't it? They've got his blood or his DNA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but like in the next in the next scene with James Bond having like the Roman Malik's character, does he like inject it into James Bond? Is there like blood and blood contact? Oh, so, so, so yeah, he's he's got the vial of. James's blood with the yeah. nanobots, so yeah. they, he's programmed those to James Bond's DNA. So the right. nanobots. I thought it was Madeline's get... DNA. Either way, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. If it, 
Bond, then it kills his daughter. If it's Madeleine's, it kills both yeah. Madeleine and his daughter. Okay, yeah. that makes more sense. Because I was thinking to myself, because what I was thinking out loud, or no, what I was thinking after was, if that's the case, that any point, like if he's got the nanobots, and at any point he gets anyone else's blood on him, he's, he's then immediate, immediately a um, a virus to, to the people, then people around him. But if it has to be pre-programmed, then that makes yeah. way more sense. Yeah, I think, I think yeah. it has to be pre-programmed. Okay. That makes way more yeah, sense. because Madeline would also have nanobots from passing it to James, who then passes it to Blofeld. So, yeah, they've all got nanobots in some form. But well, did yeah. you did you say? Um, am I wrong in thinking this? Did you say Blofeld is James Bond's brother? No, they grew up together. So, they, like, so after James Bond, after his parents died, he was taken in by Blofeld and Blofeld's dad. So they grew up from like the age of twelve when they grew up together. I, okay, that makes more sense. So they're like, they were like like brothers. Yeah. Huh. No, I I I really like I really like the film. Is it is it is it my favourite? Maybe, maybe. I really do like Casino Royale, mm. but it's a very good film, I think. But yeah, Glenn, you should probably tell us what you don't. Well, not that you don't like it, but what you like about it less than us, I guess. Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm really glad that you both really enjoy it. I like hearing when other people really enjoy films. Um, yeah, I I did like this film. Um, I think it's probably the uh, Second or third best in the pentology, which mm. is just coining that term. Um, I think, yeah, I, I think I did say that there was tons of action in the first two acts, which is slightly, obviously, very untrue. But I just think I was quite, um, I guess, disappointed that so much of the best action scenes were all contained in the trailers. Mm. So... You know, the, as soon as I saw the Italian landscape, I was like, right, well, I know that he's going to jump off the bridge with the rope. He's going to go up the thing with the motorcycle and he's going to use the car to shoot people. I was like, I don't know what order they're going to do that in, but I know that's all going to happen. Um, and whilst it was cool to me, because I'd seen it all <laughs> before, yeah. um, just in a short form, it didn't have that level of excitement for me. I didn't find much of the action in the first two acts that exciting because I seen a lot of it um you know even when they use the glider and he's like have you flown one of these before and she's like no and, and she you know uh and and when Stefan um with the mask on uh who actually doesn't age um because Rami Malek and Leia to do probably similar ages <laughs> um where she ages like 20 years and he doesn't but hey ho uh when he's shooting the ice the trailer I thought maybe James Bond would be under there but um, so that's the only difference. And I did like that opening scene. I thought that was really cool. And like you said, Obi Sinister, there's like a whole kind of home invasion vibe with it. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think just because of that, I was, you know, it, it, they were still cool, but it wasn't, it wasn't, there was that element of surprise that wasn't there. Mm. Um, so the forest scene I did like. Um, I thought, like Chris, you said about the, the twist where the DNA kills all of the Spectre agents rather than Bond. I thought, I was like, oh, that's a good twist. Um, I also liked the fact that um, with Nomi and with Paloma, there's the very much initial kind of uh, trope of of him, like, oh, these women are just going to fall for him and he's just going to stag them and then they'll probably die. But on both occasions, it was kind of, uh, that didn't come to fruition. So um, like you said, Nomi takes her wig off and, and then it's like, you know, get out of my way, stop, you know, messing with my mission. And he's like, oh, mm. okay. 
Uh, and then with Paloma and, and <laughs> she's like, take your clothes off. He's like, okay. And she just gives him a suit. And he's like, no, no, no. Just put that on. We're not in this cupboard for anything else. Yeah. Get changed. Um, so it's, it's sort of like showing that the franchise is kind of catching up <laughs> with the times a little bit. Um, I thought Leah Sadu's acting in the first first section was a little bit melodramatic, um, bit whiny. Uh, but I'm probably so, say, that, say that again, sorry. I thought Madeline was a bit melodramatic in the first okay. bit. I was a bit like, mm. and I think Chris, you were alluding to it as well. If she just <laughs> spoken up, a lot of this stuff yeah, would jarring, isn't it? would have She's not happened. Fine. You know, because. I mean, the trailer, I liked the fact that the trailer made you think that Madeline was hiding something and all the forgive me and thing was, was to do with that, but actually that was to do with Vespa. But if she just, because so when she got, when the doors closed on her, on the train, she actually touches her stomach. Um, yeah, people I, said that, but I didn't even notice. I saw that and I was like, ah, she's pregnant. Mm. Um, but if she just, just, quick, just quickly, she, sorry, did anyone notice what she wrote on her bit of paper that she burned up? No. I don't think we did we, did, we didn't see that, did we? I think we did. Or maybe 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 not. Maybe I'm making out. Then my because she was like James, I've got something to tell you, but I can't. Mm. Just said I'm pregnant. <laughs> It'd be like, oh cool, you know. Where she was like trying to be all coy, mm. then he leaves, and then even when when he comes back, she's like, oh, she's not your daughter. Mm. Tell him, just tell him it is. I have, to, I have to agree with you, Glenn. Though I did like that in the trailer where. It looked like she had the mask in the trailer. Well, oh, that's what yeah. I that's how I perceived the trailer that yeah. she had the mask. So I was fully expecting her to like in the evening of them talking to each other to just whip out the mask and then just go off in the middle of the night. But then it turns out it wasn't actually that. Yeah. Um. I I, I also felt like I liked the fact that this was a conclusive ending to this Barkdown series. But I do think some of the things they tied up were maybe a little bit rushed. Um, Felix's death, I get, and I, you know, that was like a, I didn't think that was particularly rushed, but Blofeld's, yeah. I was like, I was like mm, you're just, you're literally just trying to tie up this character arc, aren't you? And it, he was so pointless in, in this film. Yeah, um, okay. Especially the fact that he comes in the trailer and it's like, oh, he's back. And then he basically has that little scene and then there's, I think even the, doesn't Bond say, like, die, Blofeld, or something? And, yeah, and do you know what? I, I, was, I was like, that is yeah. poor writing. Yeah, I really didn't like, because he kind of just uncharacter- uncharacteristically flips and decides to strangle him, which I thought was really forced. Yeah, yeah. I, didn't like, I didn't like that at all, to be fair. No, because uh, it felt very, again, OTT, like, um, sort of like a caricature, really. It was like, die, Blofeld, you know, like when someone in a comic book says that, you know, like, die. Um even, like, it could have just been, you know, I feel like it would have been better if, if Blofeld had died, like, accidentally. You know, maybe they just sort of decided to shake hands or something, you know, like, mutual respect type thing. And then Blofeld ends up dying. But no, it was like being strangled and then let go. And then he dies. I've been mm. like, oh, okay, well, clearly you're just trying to tie that up. Mm. Um, I really like the third act, though, the concluding act. Um, I think the setting of the base was cool. I didn't really understand what those people were doing in that little river. Um, apparently, it says on Wikipedia that was a nanobot field, but that wasn't clear to me. Um, so when the people were falling in there and dissolving, I was like, oh, it must be acid. But yeah. 
that whole thing was a bit style over substance for me. Um, mm. But I was like, fine. Um, the doctor, the kind of scientist, I was a bit like, didn't quite know who his allegiances were with either. Um, mm. But again, kind of secondary. Uh, I just like the fact that, that Bond was put in that kind of catch-22 of, you know, he could he could survive, but it would be no life because his whole kind of bloodline and family would, would be at risk. Yeah. Um, and it got to the point in the film, and, and I was thinking, I was like, how? there's going to be some deus ex machina moment here, or, yeah. you know, and I was going to be like, this is going to piss me off, like there's a cure or something, you know, he's, he's immune or something like that. But yeah. no, it was like, boom, there he goes. I was like, okay, well, that, that, it literally is the only way that that could have ended. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, kudos to them for, for the writers um, and the producers who have had 25 films of James Bond as 007. It's probably a massive thing for them to kill that character off because right at the end, it says 007 will return, doesn't it? Rather than James Bond. Yeah. So that suggests that they might not be focusing on James Bond as you know the protagonist anymore. It could be Nomi. It could be anyone, um, which is an interesting concept. Um, so I think the conclusiveness I liked. Um, like I said, I think Safin was a bit underwritten, mm. uh, to be honest. Um, and he was just kind of, yeah, his his kind of mm, his motivations were not clear um, because you know. He killed Madeline's family, so she would be want to kill everyone in the world. No, um, and I thought if they'd maybe made that clearer, because uh, the scientist does at one point say to Nomi, you know, we could use it to get rid of a whole race of people. Mm. But, okay, well, what, are you doing that? Is he genocidal? Like that's an interesting angle. Is he, you know, they could have expanded on that a bit more. But hey ho, um, I think yeah, it, it, it wraps everything up. Uh, whether you know, a bit rushed or not, uh, I thought it was um, brave for them to kill off James Bond. Um, yeah. and it'd be in- really interesting to see where they go because I want you know they- they've now come to the point with the franchise where do they just do like a reset and someone else is cast as James Bond um, and they forget that any of this happened. Mm. Or do they continue with the continuity and all of this remains, you know, canon? Um, do we have the same M, the same Q, Nomi? You know, it'll be really interesting to see where they go with it. I kind of, kind of feel like they just need to have that as its own kind of pocket five film series and maybe just that at some point they'll have to start again, won't they, with James Bond? Yeah. And be like, hey, this is, James Bond, you've never seen him before. Yeah. Um, I did. I did like it, but not not quite as much as you guys. But you know, I oh, thought it was good. I was going to say, did you guys stay till the very end? I didn't know. Because it said I was going to stay, and then I looked it up, and it basically said James Bond will be back. But it say James Bond. I thought it said 007. Oh, maybe it was 007. I didn't. I like I said. I didn't. I didn't bother staying. I looked it up, and someone said 007 will be back, or James Bond will be back. So. I didn't even know Madeline had said to Matilda that I'm going to tell you a story about a man named Bond. I didn't even see that bit. <laughs> what? Did you leave early? 
Well, I left after he M&M comes a drink. literally right after that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there was some credits. No. No, no, no. no, no. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Um, I think you must have been like, on your way out of the field. That's that bit was happening. Yeah. <laughs> you probably heard Jack. He's probably walking out, and as he, he, instead of turning around, you heard James Bond, and you thought, all right, that's it. That's it. No, but oh, um, I'll tell you what, actually, think, upon talking about it, I feel like one of the things, like you said, about this film is that the big, the big aim of it, like what was the DNA virus meant to do? And they didn't really give you a defining factor. I think they really like held on the fact that it's such a devastating um, weapon. And that's all that was really holding the cynicism of it. But yeah, um, I thought it was cool. I, I also watched an interview with uh, Rami, I think it was Daniel Craig and Rami Malik, I think. Mm. I think it was an interview with them both. I think um, it was like, like they were talking about and there is actually another James Bond script for Daniel Craig. Um, or that's what uh, Malik um, referred to. And, and Daniel Craig was like, shut up, stop. <laughs> He's like, I'm not doing it. So, oh, yeah, right. Well, I know Danny have... Boyle had a script that because he was originally attached to direct it. Um, but then they rewrote it when uh, Terry and other came in. Uh, um, well, I think I think when they do the new Dane Bond, they'll do what they've done previously. So I think, like, what they've kept M for the last God knows how many years as what's her face, Judy Dench. She's like been M for ages, isn't she? Prior to Daniel Craig, Pierce Brosnan, she was M. M wasn't she? And was she M for Sean Connery? No, no, I think Sean Connery was like 60. Okay. Well, she was definitely M for Piers Brosnan. Yeah. So I'm wondering whether they'll just keep what's-his-face as M mm. and then just change yeah. James Bond. Yeah. Although he needs to be locked up in the Hague for war crimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, do you know, <laughs> if you um, actually listen to the lyrics of Billie Eilish's song, No Time to Die, it <laughs> tells you the whole plot of it. Oh, really? <laughs> well, not quite, but you know, you, when you listen back to it, you're like, ah, I know what you're saying there, because it says, um, I'm not, obviously not going to sing it because I'm not Billy Eilish, but uh, it says, I should have known I'd leave alone, just goes to show that the blood you bleed is just the blood you owe. We were a pair, I saw you there, too much to bear, you were my life, but life is far away from fair. Was I stupid to love you? Was I reckless to help? Was it obvious to everyone else that I'd fallen for a lie? You were never on my side. Fool me once, fool me twice. Are you death or paradise? No, you never see me cry. So that's like about Madeline and stuff. Faces mm. um, from my past return, another lesson set to learn. Yeah. It wasn't like our sta- it wasn't like our standard um, song this time around, was it? It was a bit different. Well, I really like the the Bond, Bond themes and the Bond opening titles are always so cool. Yeah, like yeah the Chris Cornell one, you know my, my name from Casino Royale. That's sick. Even mm. Sam Smith's um, one for Spectre, Adele Skyfall. I think Sam Smith is my favourite. Uh, really? Yeah, I think so. Not my jam, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's done pretty well as well, kind of at the box office. Um, I think it had like the second highest opening for a Bond film. Um, it's currently made $313 million. That's impressive. That's it is. I still think it's going to not make as much as they need it to, mm. but, but which How is a real shame. I probably need this to hit a billion. Really? That ain't happening. No way. What is, it, what is, it, it, hmm. Sorry, go on. What you 
I mean, the budget is reportedly between 250 and 300 million. Yeah. Um, but then you're looking at about the same on marketing. The film obviously has been delayed for like 18 months, which um, I'm pretty sure MGM took out a loan to like help finance this and they had to pay interest on the loan. Mm. Um, so obviously the longer it was delayed, the more they owe. So yeah, I'm not sure. But, you know, it's done well for pandemic. Um, and similarly, uh, just for kind of comparison, Shang-Chi is currently sitting at 401 million. So considering Shang-Chi has been out a couple of weeks longer, mm. pretty good numbers. Um, yeah. So what are we going to be watching for the next pod? I am going to see Phenom. Oh, yeah. Uh, depends, oh, depends when the next pod is, because I think I'm going to see not Venom. I won't see Venom this week. I'll see it next week. Okay, so I'm seeing Venom on Friday, and then I'm seeing June on Monday, not tomorrow, mm. the following Monday. Um, although June's got some mixed reviews. Oh, know. did you, also did you guys see that? Um, was it Free Guys now on Disney? Yeah, yeah. Mad quick turnover there. Very quick. I wonder. Shall I try and look up? Was it? When did it come out? Like a month, maybe two months ago. Definitely not a month ago. I feel like it wasn't that long ago though. I feel I like thought- I. End of August, right? Uh, 13th of August. Oh, that's in Japan. Uh... Well, maybe it, was, maybe it was beginning then. Maybe. Would Japan get it before us? Yeah, 13th of August in the United States. I don't know if we got it at the same time. Yeah, maybe 325. That's not too bad. It was still in the cinema up until like last week, though. I think they were really, pu- they were really pushing that film. Yeah, I think it's still showing at some places mm. um yeah i, I think I, I think i will rewatch it at some point i probably won't yeah. <laughs> i'll be honest i started watching it on disney and i was like i literally cannot be bothered oh really yeah i like, just was not was you've not seen it already haven't you no oh fair enough oh okay um uh, yeah so venom and june i don't have massively high expectations for either of them um I feel like June's either going to be really good or really long and shit. <laughs> yeah, I feel, yeah. I feel like I don't know. I feel like it might be style over substance, but I don't mm. know. A bit like Blade Runner twenty forty nine. But I shall go in with an open mind. Oh, have I really watched Sex Education? Yeah, I haven't. Oh, okay. Well, then we'll I'm not going to though. So, <laughs> uh, have we spoke about it? No, I think not really. Um, no, you haven't been on the pod since Obi finished it. Do you want to do you want to go over quick? I don't mind. I'll just I'll just throw it out there. I I can I can leave it till next time if you want. Whatever you guys want to do. It is quite late on a school night. Um, we'll, but, leave, yeah. we'll leave. We'll leave. We'll just do it another time. Sorry, right. let's do it next pod. Cool. We'll do. do yeah, but TV one. Um, unfortunately, I, I have seen spoilers for Venom. So. Yeah, oh, I yeah. heard I heard spoilers. I'm really pissed off about it as well. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I heard that. Um, they let some fans watch uh, the film and loads of fans took a video of the end credit scene and posted it on the internet. I was like, you dickheads. Yeah, that happened before it even came out in the US. But the fact yeah. that it's already it's already been out for 10 days in the US. And mm. the, I mean, people, yeah, people are not respecting it <laughs> on, you know what? on Twitter. I, I'm half tempted to say, like, 
when they do stuff like this, they need to just lock people's phones up before they go into the film. I know it's probably not right, but if you if you've got a disclaimer before, like if you want to visit this film, you've got to give us your phone for the entirety of it. That's the only way they can get around it, because otherwise someone will sneak something in and someone will just spoil it for everyone else. But even without the actual physical recording, people are posting what it is in word form. And this is the this is why with like things like Game of Thrones, they would show it in the UK literally either at the same time or, you know, a couple of hours after the US, because Mm. within a day you're getting spoilers people will put you know some people will put spoilers you know spoilers below in the tweet but still you, you know even if you try and scroll past it quickly you're still catching the odd words and stuff and yeah. so yeah i'm not going to say anything about what the spoiler entails but i imagine we've all seen the same thing but yeah so yeah that's frustrating i'm very annoyed um, yes um but hey ho uh i will watch it on friday and give a spoiler-free review uh, on Instagram shortly afterwards. Well, I, probably, I probably won't see it because I'll be, I'm out the whole weekend. But... Oi, oi. <laughs> All right, well, you on that note, you can uh, follow us on Instagram at Critics, and we're also on Twitter at YFCPodcast17. Um, you can find all of our episodes on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Uh, you just search for your Average Critics. Um, yeah, I guess we'll uh, chat next time about Venom, Sex Education, maybe June. Until then. Keep it sexy. Peace.